Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph Moore's wisdom from his bag of over 50 years' experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. In this session, we're going to talk about friendship evangelism, the place where church culture or the gospel or Christianity, however you want to define it, meets the secular culture that's all around. You know, we have kind of come from a place of antagonism toward the secular culture and then fear toward the secular culture. You know, a long time ago, a friend of mine named Jerry Cook taught me uh, three things about the church that some people see the church as a fortress, a place to hide from the culture around about. Uh, other people see the church as a mission field, try to get them in so that they'll get saved and the pastor can do all the work. And then other people see the church as a force. And I believe that friendship evangelism is where the church actually functions best as a force. And we want to discuss that today. As we get into this, I want to talk a little bit about culture, just what is culture. And so I've just chosen a couple of dictionary definitions. The first one says that the customary beliefs, social forms, and that's a big one here, social forms and material traits of a racial, religious, or a social group, including your church. The social forms that we take on in the church dictate the way that our people are going to meet the culture roundabout. And the second definition, same dictionary, actually says the characteristic features of everyday existence, such as a way of life shared by people in a place and time. Again, characteristic features. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about what are these characteristic features as we get into this. So again, I want to just kind of underscore friendship evangelism is where Christ culture meets the secular culture. And here's some biblical examples. Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist who brought Peter to Jesus. And this is before they were called away from their boats to be fishers of men. And then you see Philip called Nathaniel. And then Philip, either Philip the Apostle or Philip the Deacon, joined with the Ethiopian eunuch. In every one of these situations, there's friendship involved. Deep friendship that's long existed. Family member, bringing a family member to Jesus. And then somebody who strikes up a friendship as he is led by the Holy Spirit and sees opportunity. So I want to really, really focus on a culture of communication that engulfs of the idea, the concept of friendship evangelism. So as we get into this, I want to talk a little bit more about managing leaders within a church culture, because this can be a little bit complicated. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking with a group of friends of mine, and one guy is really deep into uh, shifting a culture of a church away from kind of the seeker-driven, um, you know, come to church and let the leader get them all saved into a microchurch environment and really focused on mission. Some very exciting things are happening in that church. But suddenly at kind of kickoff day, when things are really getting going, they begin to realize they got all different kind of leaders and we're going to have to manage these leaders personally 
and in groups, and we're going to have to disciple and shape them so that we're all focused on mission. The problem is there's a lot of different spiritual gifts in your church, and people behave differently. And so we want to look at the kinds of people they are, the gifts that they have, and how they behave. So the first of these leaders, the one that my friend brought up, is the person who is prideful, gruff, and aggressive. And this is a prophet, this spiritual gift of prophecy. And these people are always a little bit testy, a little bit hard to get along with. My friend is doing a very wise thing. He's meeting with a guy one-on-one, and then he's handed him off to another group where he will be in the group and experience some modeling from the group and kind of uh, maybe soften the rough edges of that prophet a little bit. But the deal is, we need those prophets. These are the guys who are going to speak very directly into other people's lives. Sometimes they're really into apologetics, and they're going to shape a group of people to be just like them. And this, again, is where the church meets the culture. The second that I want to talk about here is those who are reaching out, but they're very diff- just different from other people. And sometimes they have divisive opinions. And I found this to be true of the evangelists. You know, the evangelists in the churches that I've pastored and the prophets that I've had to deal with, and sometimes the people with an apostolic bent, are some of the most difficult yet most productive people that you can work with. And so we just got to recognize the gift, realize that it needs to be managed a little bit differently, and it needs to fit into an overall culture of communication, because that's what we're really up to here. And then there's the person with the heart for serving. They want to work with single moms. They want to feed the homeless. Uh, They just care about everybody. These are the persons who have a spiritual gift, a Roman's gift of serving. And we need to discuss that. But then uh, those who resist reflection on what you're doing in terms of the, you know, the idea that I like to put forth, you know, what did the spirit say while the guy was up there talking? What are you going to do about it? And how can we come along and help you? We're reflecting a teaching from before, and I think this is very important because it unifies the church around one message, one mission, one everything, and yet there are these people who want to resist that. They want to go off on their own. Usually, they have a gift of teaching, and so again, it's going to take some personal time, but I think the key to this is get them all reading the same book at the same time and then ask those same three questions. Uh, We did this twice a month. But again, you got to manage these people who are going to lead your people, and you want to keep them all moving in the same direction because we're moving toward a culture of friendship evangelism, which requires that people listen to and understand the Word of God as you teach it. They also are hearing the Spirit of God as they're listening and they're moving and operating in the community. They're making decisions, radical decisions sometimes, I'm going after this one person who needs Jesus. I'm going after the one person in the office that nobody else likes. I'm going to start meeting this person for lunch every Thursday. You got to get all these leaders moving in that same direction at the same time if you want to effectively change a community, change a secular culture, and evangelize that culture. And then there are the people who uh, pull people away and pull them unto themselves. They gather little groups. And uh, again, this, like the prophet and the evangelist, these can be very irritating people if you're a pastor. But if you're a pastor who is always looking for somebody that I can give away, and I can give away a group of people with them, and I can throw a little money into the deal if they need it, then you welcome these apostolic types, and you don't feel threatened by the fact that they're pulling people to themselves because, you know, the follow me as I follow Christ thing is in full operation in these guys' lives, 
and we need to appreciate it and we need to platform it and we need to manage it well. So again, we're all going in the same direction at the same time and we're all on mission to make disciples in the larger community. And then those who people who like to keep a group very small or sometimes they'll let it grow. But the main point here is they're never going to reproduce. And you know what? I found out you just got to get used to that, put it in your pipe and smoke it and just let it be. These are the pastors within the congregation. And you know what? In the end of the day, they made my life a whole lot easier because they really looked after their people. And I didn't have to bother uh, doing those little extra things that we do because somebody slipped through the cracks. And then those who organize for mission and for service within the congregation. Uh, these people are have the gift of uh, administrations. Again, Romans chapter 12. There's a really good friend of mine, a guy named John Honnold in Hawaii. And I'll come in, I read all kinds of books all the time, sometimes three at a time, you know, one to go to bed on, uh, one when I'm thinking seriously, and another just for fun. Even the fun books, I, I think the Holy Spirit speaks through them. I get some really good ideas. And, and so I'll come in with these ideas I've gotten from a secular book, from a Christian book, from just a fun novel or something. And I'll just start sketching out ideas. And instantly, my friend John will be at the whiteboard and organizing those ideas into a plan. And so we need these administrators. They're going to lead a group a little bit differently. In fact, it was John Honnold that gave us the basic model that we have for mini church. It came out of just a loosey-goosey discussion that we were having and the frustrations that we were having. And John organized it into something that's been enduring and has lasted us for decades. And then you got the leaders who are seeing a lot of miracles through prayer and healing, etc., uh, these people are usually gifted in kind of the First Corinthians 13 gifts. We see a lot of uh, gift of healing, gift of miracles, uh, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And these are real. You know, sometimes we have a hard time dealing with some of these things. And, and some of these leaders, frankly, will get off on some book that's a little goofy, but it satisfies their soul. It feeds into the gifting that God gave them. And we've seen some some pretty wild and crazy miracles, healings from cancer, words of knowledge about where to go to school that fit with something that somebody was already talking about. And, and so I want to really stir these gifts up in the church. I, I We need the miraculous because if we can feed the miraculous into friendship evangelism, you know, the stories that I'm going to tell in church, I want to tell about somebody who prayed with somebody in a very secular setting and God answered their prayer in a very supernatural way. And here's a person sitting in church. These are the kinds of things that we're going to have to do. We're going to have to manage all of these people, all of their gifts. They're all going to be different. We need to first appreciate, respect, and then communicate with these people and keep them in communication with each other and with people who are different and teach them to respect and accept those other people and their gifting and realize we're all in the same boat. We're all going the same direction. So now I want to talk a little bit about what you do. And I'm really thinking what you do from the pulpit to equip your members for friendship evangelism, because this is crucial. I, I think that we don't recognize the power that we have in the pulpit. We don't recognize that our words really do make a difference in these people's lives. And, uh, you know, I encounter pastors that are just sermonizing. You know, they, they just, I got to have something for Sunday. And so we go on sermons.com or one of these things and, and, and we pop something and we're just kind of all over the place. This is why I like to stay in the scripture 
go chapter by chapter. Sometimes chapter by chapter means that we do seven verses this week and 13 verses the next week. I want to keep it as funny as I can because the hard stuff goes down easier if it is funnier. I realize that I'm the anchor to this whole thing, and I've got to be equipping the members of our church in service whenever they're hearing me, whether it's digitally online or whether it's it's actually sitting there, whatever we're doing, I've got a responsibility to equip people through the things that I'm saying to go on and do what we're calling friendship evangelism. So let's take a look at this. Equipping members for friendship evangelism inside the church on Sundays or weekend services, whatever you have, we had quite a few of them, requires constant teaching and modeling. I mean, teaching about how to do evangelism, modeling how I've done it. I'm not an evangelist, so I don't have a whole lot of personal stories to share. I want to make sure I I jam all the ones I got in there. And then uh, to realize, again, that the church is not the evangelism center. And here's the problem. You're going to have people who come to your church from other churches, and they have seen the church as the mission field, the place where people come to get saved, rather than the missionary force where you send them out to do evangelism outside. And so you and I need to remind our people constantly that when we gather as a church, that the church is for equipping, it's not for evangelism. The second thing is that we got to offer scripts as conversation starters. You know, here's how to get started praying with your friend. Wait till they have a complaint. They have something going on in their life. Got to get close to them first close enough that they're going to complain to you about what they don't like going on in their life, and then asking permission to pray. And I always tell people, if you're really brave, then pray with them on the spot. I'm brave enough that I do that. One time, there's a lady from our church that I met. She had her friend with her. Friend had stage four cancer. Immediately, we're just there laying hands on the lady, praying. And then when we kind of got up from praying, Uh, We were standing up, we opened our eyes from praying, and we realized we're standing smack in the doorway of a large mall in Kaneohe, Hawaii. It was a little bit embarrassing, but it reinforced, we're doing a pretty good job of this. At least I'm the one who believes that I can pray anywhere. But sometimes it's telling people, I'm a believer in Christ, and I pray regularly. Would I have permission to pray for you? I've never had anybody tell me a story that they got turned down when offering to pray for somebody. People seem so thankful for that, and it's such a gracious thing. And they start looking up to God, and when they see God doing miracles in their life, now they're interested in hearing the gospel, and and they're going to hear it from their friend. They're not going to hear it from the preacher. Sometimes leadership correction is necessary But it's easier if you build a certain kind of culture into your training groups. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, you got all these people who the prophets who want to go out and challenge everybody. Uh, You got the people who want to just hang tight to their people and pastor them and, and, you know, nothing more. You got the people who want to serve, but all they want to do is serve. They don't want to share the gospel. And so you're going to have to constantly correct these people now. Do you want to do this in a disciplinary fashion where you're getting in people's face? You're going to have to from time to time. But it's much easier if you gather these people on a regular, ongoing, never-ending system. Now, I get really frustrated with people who, you know, we have eight weeks training for how to be a mini church or micro church pastor. That's okay, but there has to be more than that. We're building a culture. It has to be continual learning and reading together and talking about what we're learning. And this is why we just kept people in books all the time that we're reading in concert, 
just the fact that we're reading in concert gave me huge control over the culture of the church. But when we get together and ask those same three questions, what did the spirit say? What are you going to do? And how can we come alongside and help you in little clusters of microchurch leaders? You're shaping their thinking. You're actually disciplining them to a certain model, a certain direction that you're going. By the way, I want to remind you this teaching that you're watching, the courses that we put up here, All of these things are for you to use to develop the kind of culture that you're hoping to develop. That's why we're communicating together. And so utilize them and use them to train your people, and you will be on the same path in the same direction. Let's talk about five steps into building a culture of friendship evangelism. This is really a culture of communication. So there's five things that I think we've got to look at. First, our values must come from Scripture. It can't come from some church growth book. They can't come from some business book unless it aligns with the scripture. They can't come from, oh, I got this great vision. I'm going to do this. No, values come first. They're the rock bottom, solid thing that everything else rests on. Secondly, vocabulary. One of the problems that we have is that words have meanings, and sometimes meanings undercut your value. You know, I talk about this constantly. I don't like being called the pastor. Because if I'm the pastor, I've negated the gifts of all of the Ephesians 4 pastors in the congregation. But the concept of the pastor in America sort of includes all five gifts in Ephesians 4. Now, I know there's a lot of people who go around bragging, I have all the five-fold gifts, all that. I'm, I'm a five-fold minister. I don't believe in that for five seconds. But what I, what I believe is we have a problem. Everybody thinks that the, the leader of the congregation is the pastor. And is, is a pastor, he's an apostle, he's a prophet, he's an evangelist, he's a teacher, he's, he's all of these things wrapped in one, and they're all spectators. What our job is, is to get the spectators on the field. The whole purpose that we read about in Ephesians 4 is equipping the saints to do the work of ministry, equipping the apostles in our church to do their work, equipping the evangelists to do their work. Another place in scripture says that all of us are called to do the work of an evangelist. And so as we're on mission here, to make disciples of all nations, we got to equip the people in our churches to be the evangelists that God has called them to be, to do all the gifts that God has called them for. And again, if you call me just the pastor and I'm the leader of a congregation, the vocabulary has undercut what we're doing. If we call a building a church, our vocabulary has undercut our values. The people are the church who gather in a building. Then the narratives, the stories that you tell are going to dictate the behaviors that you get. And this includes what Dave Ferguson writes about the IC, new conversations where we talk to somebody and we, we see something good. And then I would talk about that in church because as a church gathers and we're hearing about, oh, this is this person engaging their spiritual gifts, then there's this tendency for somebody else to engage their gifts. And, and so values, vocabulary, narratives, and then, of course, the behaviors that you get as you're helping your members in the church, in the family, meet the secular culture 
outside and you're preparing them to do that without fear, without loathing, without somehow disrespecting the culture. We're engaging people around us with the love of Jesus. And finally, slogans. I really believe in slogans. You know, we used to say one, we promise to love you as is. The whole purpose there was to put it on us that we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves, our drug dealer neighbors, our gay neighbors, our whatever neighbors, our people who are from a different culture, secular culture, It's not on them. It's not on them to come to our church and cross all the barriers culturally that that requires. It's us taking the gospel to them, taking Jesus to them. And so as we go forward, I just want to leave you with a little bit of practical advice from the scripture. The first is where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, you know, all these Bible translations say it in such different ways, but I found one called the Modern English Version that says it very succinctly, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what you're trying to get your people to do, is stay in friendship with people. Go looking for the person that lacks friends, that needs help from you, and just hang out with them. So they kind of just naturally follow you into a relationship with Jesus. You know, the 1950s were a whole different time. That's the rise of Campus Crusade through the 60s and 70s. But even Campus Crusade has changed from this, I'm going to meet a stranger and challenge them with the gospel, into I'm going to meet a stranger and hang out with them. And we're going to work our way into a relationship where they trust me enough. They want to know about my Jesus and they follow me as I follow Christ. I want to keep this in front of people that I'm talking to about the gospel all the time. And here's another scripture. The things, and I'm reading this from the Amplified Version. So read read it this way. The things, the doctrine, the precepts, the admonition, the sum of my ministry, everything that I've taught you and everything that you see in me, which you have heard me teach in the presence of many witnesses, entrust, and big word here, entrust these And it says, as a treasure. In other words, find people you believe in and pass it on to them. And trust to reliable and faithful men who will also be capable and qualified to teach others. Now, Romans chapter uh, 15, verse 14, if I remember it right, uh, Paul's writing to the church at Rome. He's not yet met these people. And he says, I am confident, my brothers, that you are full of righteousness, which only can come from the Holy Spirit that you have all knowledge, which again could come from the spirit and the word. That's all he could be talking about. And that you are capable of teaching one another. In other words, he's really believing in people that he hasn't met because he believes in the spirit of God within them. And so as we are challenging our people, we got to challenge them to pass it on. But again, we're looking for people who really get it, who are engaging it. Uh, we're not just popping off with anybody. And so these are these are pillars under my training others for and equipping others to do evangelism in my church. And then scripture says, go, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation. Now we're getting into words of knowledge, words of wisdom, all these kind of things. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must be done to strengthen all of you. This is what we're trying to get to in in the meetings that we're operating and with the people that we're trying to teach. We've got to have these kinds of things going on in the microchurches in our church. If our people are going to effectively meet and reach an increasingly secularized post-Christian culture around them. Hey, thanks for taking time to listen to this. It's the last lesson from the course 
doing church in a post-Christian era. If it's something that you found useful, if some of the material would be useful for you to teach others, uh, you will find if you enroll in the course, enroll really in the Equippers Lab, you're going to get PowerPoints, you're going to get this in audio, and you're going to get it in video. So you can show the video, you can pass on the audio, or you can teach it from the PowerPoints. Everything is made there to help you equip others. That's why we call it the Equipping Lab. Again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.